0: On this episode of the infant adoption guide podcast we talk with jake stewart an adoptive dad who tells his story through two domestic infant adoptions well, hello everybody welcome back to another episode of the infant adoption guide podcast my name is tim elder i am an, also an adoptive dad and I want to thank you for joining me today on the, this show because I'm really excited to share with you an adoption story from Jake Stewart, a fellow adoptive dad. Um, he's, him and his wife have adopted twice. Yeah, that's what this show is all about is domestic infant adoption. is helping you on your journey to match faster, cheaper, less stress, and just realize the dream of becoming parents through adoption and give you hope and inspiration. So that's what we're here to do today, especially with Jake's story. I'm really Happy to have him on here because he's such a um, a good voice for, especially for the guys in an adoption. You don't hear the guys speak out very often. Um, I happen to be one of them, but I'm really excited to have another guy like Jake to come out here and share his story with you too. So let's get right into the interview with Jake Stewart, an adoptive dad. Hank, hey, here, you go. Okay, everyone, I am happy to have Jake Stewart on the show today. Jake is an adoptive dad like me, and he is here to share his adoption story with us. And I just wanted you to know I, I connected with him through Lifetime Adoption since we both worked with them on, on our adoptions. I'm excited for everyone to hear it because it really gives hope and because it's, it's a success story, and we don't always get to hear success stories. We hear a lot of the horror stories, so I'm really excited for Jake to tell his story so welcome to the infant adoption guide podcast Jake
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: awesome yes Uh, I appreciate you coming on to the show I'm so happy to talk with you because I don't get to talk with guys very often about adoption I mean it's just uh, uh, we're not uh, really a voice out there too too much in the adoption world so I appreciate that you are one of those guys and that you're coming on to to tell your story so thank you for coming on the show
1: you bet wouldn't have it any other way
0: (laughs) Well, first of all, a lot of folks have issues of what brings them to adoption. What brought you and your wife to adoption?
1: Well, we had talked about it um, as an option um, before we ever really even um, started building our family. Um, but it more, as, as we um, you know started into that process and, and channel of our lives, I guess, we um, went through several years of infertility. Um, and it kind of got to the point where uh, IVF was, you know, an option on the table, and we started looking financially at um, IVF and or adoption. And um, my wife actually was more called um, to adoption than I was. And um, But when we started thinking about, you know, the selflessness versus, um, not to think somebody that, you know, did IVF would be is selfish, but we felt that it was, it was more our calling to adoption um, when we had the choice to make.
0: Yeah. So she came to terms with adoption first and then.
1: For for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely on the slow side and um, didn't, you know, I was unsure and I was in that process where, you know, she had done a lot more research on it than I had. And she, I, I didn't know how I was feeling and I didn't know, um, I just had a lot of uncertainty in what um, I wanted and what my family picture was going to look like, um, because it wasn't the traditional way that I had thought, you know, growing up, and it's the the picture, you know, the picture, the way the picture was painted. And so, you know, as that kind of changed, and she started, you know, listening to, you know, the the success stories, um, it was, it became, you know, clear to me that you could still have it that way and you could have it the way that you built it. And so, um, you know, then we started to look at, um, the direction that we wanted it to go and, and how we could build a family, um, around adoption and not just with our children, but with our birth families as well, if it was something that they wanted.
0: So did, did it take you very long to come on board or did you hit have to hear some of these success Uh, stories before you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I would say I was on the slow side. um, Like, I was still unsure, you know, talking to Lifetime and and going through, like, we started the process and she was doing, you know, a lot of the talking and I was, you know, reading blogs a little bit, but not a ton and just, like, trying to come to terms to it more on my own, you know, making it okay in my own head, I guess, and that that became a little bit, you know, difficult and, and I wish you know, I would have got on some more of those calls and more of those webinars and more of podcasts like this, um, which is why I think I felt more called to reach out. It's because I had a really difficult time starting out and not really knowing what I wanted, and the changing course was completely different than I'd seen coming.
0: Yeah, and I don't think you're very uh, rare. I think a lot of guys do have a problem coming in, and some of it may have to do with perception of what adoption is, but some of it, like you said, is just you don't know what that's going to look like. What does that mean? How does our family come to be? And it's just not the traditional way.
1: Yeah. And how do people, you know, how does the rest of your family react? How do your friends react? How, how is it going to look to others? And, you know, I'm, I work in sales and I, and so, you know, perception is a lot and what, what people see and what people react is, you know, a lot of what people believe in you. And so, You know, and, you know, as I started to wrap my mind around it, it became more clear that it still was what I made of it and it could be as good as I wanted it to be. And by taking that approach with it, I feel like we've built just an amazing relationship and an amazing family because of it.
0: That is awesome. Yes. I mean, you're providing hope for a lot of guys out there now, right now. So any, any women that are listening to this, if you have guys on the fence, if your man's on the fence... Or he's just unsure, and he's likely is having listened say to this podcast. Is. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would say he is unsure, whether they say it or not. There's uncertainty, especially with the first one. Like the, our second adoption was way easier because I knew you know where we were going, but there was a little bit more certainty in it um, with myself. But you know, for the first one, I, I haven't talked to anybody who's going into it. I mean, males that. Um, husbands, whatever that were super certain of what the future held because you just can't, you can't foresee it.
0: Right. And I agree with you. I, I was the same way. And I agree with you that uh, if I had somebody out there that was telling me, Hey man, I've been through this. I was where you were. I'm un- I was uncertain. I didn't know where I was going, but here's what happened. Mm-hmm. And here's you can have a successful and you can build your family this way. And it is awesome. That would have done yeah. wonders for me and my confidence going into the, the adoption for sure
1: no question about it. I mean, I would have, I would have like, if I had somebody or, you know, and it, I feel like it's a little bit, we feel a little bit alienated. I don't know if you felt that way, but I did because every, like if I ever wanted to pick up a phone and call and talk to somebody, it was going to be somebody female. And I don't know, that shouldn't sound negative because it's not, but it's, it's still, you don't have that relationship with anybody in your life that has been through that. And, you know, to have, People out there that are that are males that have been through it that understand that have felt that and know how difficult it is to talk about your feelings and know how difficult it is to feel that um, and you get out the other side and you've made something great out of it. You know, it's a success and you can and that can be enlightening.
0: Absolutely, yes. I know it's hard for guys to talk uh unless you're in sales like you then you can talk (laughs) (laughs) i can talk baby (laughs) but in general it is kind of hard for guys to open up and and talk and um so i hope this podcast will help at least uh, have guys be able to listen to it and and maybe not open up more but understand more and get some clarity and wrap the brain around what adoption really is and how they can step sure. up and, and be involved like you have. So let's get into your story. Um, sure. What, uh, so you adopted, you've adopted twice. We have. And can you just tell us, uh, well, let's just say yeah. when yeah, you adopted absolutely. each of your children first.
1: Yep. Um, I adopted, uh, we adopted our son in August of 2000. So he'll be seven, um, this August or 2007, I'm sorry. And then, um, we adopted our daughter in June of 2011. Um, so my sons, uh, we got, when we got the call, um, with my son, um, his birth mother was in labor, um, at the time. And we had been active with our home study and our profile done for 10 days. Um, yeah. And so we got called and she was in labor and actually we were home within two weeks of being finalized with a brand new baby boy.
0: Wow. That's
1: yeah, incredible. Because it was insane. And it was like. We had gone like we had been, you know, in the process from about March of that year, um, from the time we started really with, you know, all of the home study stuff, all of the brochures, all the paperwork, everything that goes into it. um, We really started that process, but we didn't go live and pay into the into Lifetime until um, the middle of August.
0: And you were telling me before that uh, that's partly what you, that was your plan. I mean, your planner, your researcher, you wanted to be all in, all ready. So when you went live with Lifetime, you were not waiting on anything. You were ready to go.
1: Exactly. And that's kind of one of the things that I would definitely recommend to anyone. Um, The reason that it worked out the way that it did is because our birth mom went into labor um, early and the family that she had matched with didn't have their home study done so they weren't ready when she was giving birth so at that point she was in labor and she had to reach out to Lifetime and say I need another family and we've been in the and it and it worked out awesome I mean the birth father was a softball player I played sports um she's a horse person my wife I mean we have horses so I mean it it, the match between her family and our family was like perfect everything worked out i Ideally, but you know, had they they had their home study done, she'd have never even found out about it.
0: Man, that had to been a little. I mean, she's already in a in a stressful state, and then to have that dumped on her. I mean, that had to be even more stressful. So she must have really felt some relief when she got to match with you guys. How did she? uh, How did that connection mat? Did Lifetime? came back to her then just with you or there was additional families she picked
1: yeah they they read three profiles over the phone to her when she was in the hospital and um the birth father was there at the hospital and so they together had to listen to three profiles we were the first one and it was like such a perfect match that they were like we don't even want to listen anymore but lifetime made them listen to two more but they were like yeah it's done deal and so then um, Lifetime called my wife, and my wife uh, ran over to my work. We sat down. She called the birth mom, and the, and my wife talked to the birth mom for um, a little while, and it was a match. And so then both both people called Lifetime. It was all a match. Everything was good. My wife ran home, packed the clothes, picked me up at work, and we were five hours. We were about halfway across the state of Washington when he was born, and when, and we got there, and we got to meet everybody at the hospital.
0: That is insane. That just yeah. puts a smile on my face, though, because that reminds me of a little bit of ours. Ours wasn't that crazy, but it was similar. And that's, uh, man, that just that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. Um, so we were we were very lucky, and we were fortunate to have matched with the people that we matched with in both cases.
0: Yeah. So your daughter, before we get further into your son's story, how about your daughter? Mm -hmm.
1: My daughter, we um, went live in January, I want to say, December or January of 2011. Um, December of 2011, uh, January of, oh no, it would have been 10. um, December, 2010, January of 2011, and then she was born in June of 2011. We matched in April, early April, Um, and, um, my wife had, you know, several phone calls with Lifetime and then finally talked to birth mom on the phone and everybody had a match done. And then she was due, um, around, you know, in July and she had previously had, um, two children. So we kind of were in the assumption that she would probably be pretty early. And so, um, my wife started her leave at work, um, in, around the 10th of June and flew out to Ohio because we were traveling for the second one, um, flew out to Ohio on the 10th, had about a week to spend with birth mom. And then she went into labor on the 15th and, um, actually called my wife at the hotel to take her to the hospital. And my wife got to be in and cut the umbilical cord. So, and I was, I stayed home with our kids until, we knew it was getting pretty close, and then we had, um, my mom came to take care of the kids, and I was actually in the Denver airport on a layover when she was born. So I was seven or eight hours behind, you know, she was about seven or eight hours old when I first met her, but my wife got to be there, so that was perfect.
0: So you just got lucky that she was there and went in early, or, I mean, you, you well, flew, we flew out there, over- right?
1: We flew out there, we flew her out there and just got a hotel for, you know, the time before so that she could meet um, birth mom, she could meet her family a little bit, she could meet the kids, you know, and just kind of get to associate and kind of start to build that relationship a little bit on the front end, Um, you know, do things for dinners and stuff like that and, you know, just kind of be there to help her out um, with anything that we could just to start to build that relationship from the beginning. And I felt like because she was in that situation has rolled into afterwards where we live halfway across the country and we still have a great, you know, we flew her out here for Cassidy's birthday or she flew out here for Cassidy's birthday, um, back in June. So this year she was here for her third birthday.
0: Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Establishing a relationship is, is huge. I mean, and you had a longer match, obviously. On that one, I mean, it's almost what three months. So there was plenty of time.
1: But still, I mean, we were live with a total with two kids without being matched for three and a half months. I mean, that's pretty insane.
0: Yes, it is. That is true. Yeah, not not a whole lot of people can say that. So no. Well, congratulations. That's uh, well. Thank you. Thank you. A beautiful way to to get your build your family and let's get into a a little bit of the details then so sure on either one of the adoptions did you ever have more than one match with the birth mother or were you matched once? we
1: we were matched once in both cases and that was it we had several that we knew were like looking like we knew that our profile was out there with a couple different people um but we didn't that it wasn't um yeah we never matched or never got called or anything it was once we matched, we matched.
0: And when you were, for each one, well, so your son happened so fast, and it was in the same state that you lived in, so you didn't have to worry about ICPC, you know, any of that paperwork going across states. And Correct. your daughter in Ohio, so you stayed there once she was born. You still had to stay there for two weeks?
1: Yeah, about two weeks we were still there. Um, so my wife was gone almost a month from home um, between, you know, before and after, and then, yeah, we were there, we were in, um, Northwest Ohio for about a week afterwards. And then we so we got to see, and, um, my wife did some pictures, you know, some professional pictures with her birth mom and they did some pass up stuff. And we took some family pictures with, you know, her previous kids with, um, my daughter and just some of that stuff with her family. Um, and we kind of did some sightseeing stuff with her and spent some time with her and her and um, her husband at the time. And it was just like getting to know them a little bit. And then as we knew the ICPC stuff was starting to get closer, we um, went out to Cleveland where we were closer to the airport so that as soon as it happened, we could hop a plane to get home to our family.
0: Yeah, especially being gone that long. Boy, that would have been tough on your right. son for your wife to be gone that long.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had grandma. So, I mean, grandma was there. So he was spoiled.
0: <laughs> that helps, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool let's let's get into uh some of the open adoption stuff because i know in both your cases you have open adoptions and yeah uh, it's really one of the most misunderstood and i know in my case before we started the adoption process or actually while we were starting that was our big over Something to overcome for us is just what is open adoption. What does it mean? Uh, what what are we getting into? Can't we just have a baby dropped off at our door? As crass as that sounds, I mean that's right. I mean, that's no. the, the thoughts that go through your head. And uh, somebody like you, I think, can really shed light on what how beautiful open adoption are. So once you either either one, just, if you want to just talk sure. about which one you want to, I
1: I would say I I can go a little bit general on it, and I think open adoption like in the way that I've set it up is it can be whatever you want it to be and it can be as much as you want or it can be as little as you want. As long as everybody's on the same page, I think it can be a really good thing. We've chosen with both of our, both of our kids to, um, that we're very open with them. So when, you know, their birth moms come and visit, um, they, our kids know that, and our six-year-old more so than our three-year-old, but, he knows that, you know, he grew in her belly and he knows that he, you know, my wife refers to him as their belly mama and, um, they know that, you know, it wasn't, I mean, we haven't got into the whole story with them yet, but they also, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And I think that for way too long adoption has been a negative thing and it can be a fantastic, um, it can be a blessing. It can be a growth opportunity, um, in just in mindset, if nothing else. And in our case, um, we started with both of our birth moms, kind of the same mold where we kind of let them have their distance. And I think we're in a time right now where with Facebook, social media in general, I guess it was more MySpace back in 2007, but, um, with MySpace and Facebook where we could be friends in those realms. And then, um, they could uh, we post it. We still do post a ton of pictures um, of the kids and family and stuff with um, for, birth, for both of our birth moms. So whenever they want to see them, whenever they want to see photos, whenever they want to see what's going on, they have 100% access to know what's happening, what we're doing. You know, if we're doing fun things, if we're you know what the kids are getting to do, um, the photos, everything looks good. You know, all of that stuff to make them feel comfortable with the situation that the children are in. And from the beginning, you know, I don't know a hundred percent how much they looked and how early on they looked. I guess our first meeting with my son's birth mama, he was about seven months old or eight months old. And, um, so it was a little bit for, I mean, it was a little ways out, but we didn't really know what to expect. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty there and, you know, didn't know what she you know, uh, emotionally, how she was feeling. But, her having the ability to go to those um, those sites whenever she felt comfortable to do it. Um, and she could go there and just cry if she wanted to. But she was then making the effort to come out and do that. Slowly, she started, um, she started talking about, you know, sending us little notes or liking the photo or things like that that really start to let us know that she's there um, and that she's looking and that she's involved. And then, um, you know, she came out and, um, we met her a couple times over on the, uh, on the coast when we were visiting other family and just, you know, made a trip out and had a day, day trip to visit with her and stuff. And, you know, and we've just really tried to embrace them, um, understand their situation, but embrace them, um, if they need support, if they need things from us that we're willing and that we consider them, you know, a part of our family, um, a branch of our family, I would say. And, you know, and that my whole philosophy going into this thing is what's best for the kids. And so we feel like the more support that the children can have, the better as much, as long as it's in the best interest of the children. So, um, you know, that's, we're on the same page with everybody involved. Um, both birth moms come and visit a lot. We actually had a really unique, um, opportunity this last in June where both of our birth moms were together for the first time. They stayed at our house for a weekend and got to know each other. Um, our, my son's birth mom was you know had the ability and had the um you know she was open enough to talk about you know how she was feeling through different parts of of the growing and the the learning process for her, how she was feeling through you know the first few visits and how she was feeling. and she was talking to my my daughter's birth mom about that, and they were able to share that bond with each other and I feel like that's something that you know they may not have ever really had. Is someone to talk to about it and it was a I mean their friends on Facebook now they have each other's phone numbers and you know it's just it's just building that as a as a social network and as a network for the kids that it doesn't have to be a bad thing you know this can be really positive and you know we've developed a relationship with my birth moms or my son's birth moms um, parents um, it's it, and, you know, they all see pictures on Facebook. They all see pictures that they want to text us. They can text us. But, you know, we're just there for them. And, you know, we respond. And it's not that hard because it's a two-way street.
0: Yeah, that is beautiful. Man, I got, I got like four questions just out of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, I just can't fathom really having both birth moms come together like that. I mean, that's just... To me, that's rare. And did, did they have any, any hesitation about, when you, did you bring this to them and said, hey, would you guys like to, to get together with you us? You know,
1: we had kind of talked about it. We knew that, you know, my, my daughter's birth mom had to fly out. And we had talked about wanting to get them together um, at different, you know, at different times. But being that my daughter's birth mom's in Ohio, it becomes that, you know, puts a distance um, on it that makes it really difficult for all of us to get together and we knew she was coming for my daughter's birthday. So, you know, we put that in my son's birth mom's, uh, mind back in December when we got together, maybe November, Thanksgiving time and um, put it in her mind that we knew that, that um, Kayla was going to come out at that point and be here and that we would love it if she could come out and meet her. Um, just, just to have that, you know, to have each other and, you know, and, you know, thank the Lord that she was able to, she was willing to do it, able to do it, came out. I mean, they, they stayed at our house. I mean, it was just a fantastic time. We had tons of family in town for the birthday. And I mean, it was just a great, great opportunity that, you know, something that'll stick with me forever.
0: That is amazing. And they weren't overwhelmed by having all the rest of the fan, your family there. And
1: I mean, I think that at times they were, um, just like party times, and, I mean, my family's very um, very supportive, so we get everybody together, and it's just a big, you know, dinners all together, breakfasts all together and stuff, and we we asked them to stay at a hotel for the trip and to do different things so that it wasn't, so, so that we had our time with them both together, and we had some space at home. So, you know, we did a lot of breakfasts just with the six of us, I'm um, at our house, and you know, and then everybody would kind of come over in the afternoons. But just so that they have that time together.
0: Oh, I see. So your family, yeah, they they stayed away, other than having the the family functions when you brought everybody in. Otherwise, it was just you guys yeah. with your children's birth mothers. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and we kind of had to. We had to set it up that way. There, it would have just, it wouldn't have really worked. To, um, they would have been, they would, it wouldn't have been the same. You know.
0: Yeah they would have probably gotten a lot more overwhelmed having them there all the time. Yeah. For sure. So back to your Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that you share photos and just everyday things going on with, and that you do that with both birth mothers.
1: We just do it on Facebook. My, my wife and I are both friends with, with both of them with birth, with our, my son's birth fathers, even a friend of mine on Facebook and, her, and my wife. And, all the grandparents and, you know, all the birth families, whoever wants to be, you know, we just, we friend them all. If they, if they reach out to us and, you know, we post pictures all the time and post, you know, for whatever skiing through river, whatever we're doing, you know, we're, we just post all that stuff because we feel like it gives, you know, it gives us the ability to do it and we're doing it for more than just them, but they're a big part of it. But at the same time, it gives them the ability to really, feel like they're included. And I think that's a huge, huge part of the adoption is that they want to be included, but at the end of the day, they also don't want to interfere. And so, you know, it kind of creates that where they know what's going on and we know what's going on with them because they post things. And, you know, we can, if we see something that, you know, might be a little alarming to us, my wife will reach out to my son's birth mom and say, Hey, you know, what's going on? hope everything's okay. And, you know, get more of the story or whatever. But just to try and be there to be supportive of them, too, because, you know, it's it's important. If, you're, if you show them their support, they're going to support you. They're going to support the kids. And, you know, ultimately, it comes down to what's best for them and how can we support them? How can we make them, um, give them the, all the tools that they need to be successful?
0: Yeah, that's very cool. That's uh, amazing that they are. That's really open, being able to share everything because Facebook is just so wide open, Anybody that shares anything with anybody gets uh, easily seen. Now, I'm just thinking to our adoptions, like with our son's birth parents, we have a Shutterfly account. I think you and I talked about this, where right? mm-hmm. it's a, it's a secure account, so we can't uh, share text or, or stories as, as easily, but we can do videos and and photos, so they can get on there whenever they want to, and and we. Let them know when we got new stuff on there, but same thing like yours is they just can go on there whenever they want, have the ability to see what's going on in their child's life and how right. they are in our family. I mean that is just huge uh, to, for them, not just to not just to trust you more, but to have a better peace in their life that they made the right decision and their child's in in a, in a good place.
1: Absolutely, in the right place, I think. You know, they start at some point. They start to realize that they're in the right place and they've been put there for a reason, um, and that it it reassures their decision. And so, the more reassurance they have, the more that they're going to start to um, they're going to start to want to be involved. If uh, in our case that was, I would say, you know, that's not going to be for everybody. But you know, some in our case, both of them want to be involved to a point where they wish they could spend more time with them, but just the distance alone, you know, kind of creates a barrier. So
0: that's an important point you make. Cause, uh, your story is your story and it's not saying that everybody could have, uh, be friends with their, uh, child's birth parents and, and it all be happy and, and no problems. Right. I mean, there's definitely boundaries. Uh, did you guys have any discussions about boundaries or, or, the level of openness you you were wanting to have with each other,
1: we got really lucky, I would say, in that we didn't really have to go down that road too much. Um, at this uh, up until this point, um, I think that that's probably because you know everybody is kind of we've we've been very transparent from the beginning that as long as it's in the best interest of the kids, you know that everybody's welcome, and so you know that you know, to that, that, be, that kind of comes down the road of, you know, at what point does it not become in the best interest of the kids? And, you know, I'm a forward thinking person. I'm a positive person and whatever, I, I'm i confident that if something happened that wasn't in the best interest of my kids, I would know it immediately and I could do something about it. So I don't sit there and dwell on, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? I'm not going to worry about that because, if I start thinking at a negative level, then I start over analyzing things, and everybody's different, whatever you know if they're doing if their intention is the best interest of the kids, then I have no problem with that, and I feel like you know setting that expectation from the from the top that's what we've done
0: yeah so you you I like the philosophy because then if something does come up um you know in your mind and you've already had the discussion with them that if it's not in the best interest, we're going to be talking about it. <laughs> uh, and we would
1: talk about it. I mean, we wouldn't like just go off. I mean, at this point right here and just like, you know, start deleting friends on Facebook or whatever. I mean, we we just wouldn't do that. It would be something like, well, what was going on here? I mean, what were you thinking? Or, you know, what, what's the story here? Because you know, that wasn't, that kind of hurt his feelings or, you know, whatever. I mean, you just cross that bridge later. I'm not going to, I can't sit here and think there's too many things and too many possible outcomes with everything in life. I can't, can't possibly know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, cause when you're going through your adoption journey and you make your match and you're, you're having those discussions with, with birth parents. I think the temptation, I don't know, I want to say temptation, but the thought is that you need to have all these discussions about what an open, open adoption means, how much content that we're going to have and all this stuff and lay out the plans. But those best laid plans are going to change. And it might, okay. and it probably won't be on your end. It'll probably be on their end because they don't really know what they want right now. And what they want may change, like you said uh, down the road, mm-hmm. like with one of your kids' birth moms that eight months later she finally was kind of warming up to the idea of looking at things on Facebook and interacting a little bit. I mean, just this things, situations change, lives change. So opinions about how contact are going to change most likely. For sure.
1: No, no question about that. And I mean, it, I would say, you know, as a, just be, you have to be completely open-minded going into it. Know that your plan is not going to be your plan. I mean, say you know, I'm a very big planner. I try to be as prepared as I possibly can for every single thing I do. And, um, going into this, it's one of those things that you just can't be prepared for. You can't possibly understand the emotions that's going to happen when you're at the hospital and you handle pull the kids for the first time. You know, the joy, I mean, you felt that too, Tim, the The joy that you feel when you're standing there, but the pain that you feel for your birth mom when you're standing there and your the just that influx of emotion both directions is just, I mean, I'll never, ever forget. The moment that my, my son's birth mom checked out of the hospital, and we were still there with it, because we had to stay one more night, and it was just like that moment was like so overwhelming when she was saying bye and oh man, and you know you just can't possibly be prepared for that and so um, you know there's situations that are going to come up where you know they, that are going to be completely out of left field. Um, I would say with my daughter, we got asked. You know, after we had left the hospital, we we're back at the hotel, her birth mom's at the hotel with us, and she asked us if she can take my daughter for a night at her apartment just to have one night with her. And we were we were totally caught off guard, blown away that we're being asked, you know, here we are with a brand new baby, and now birth mom's asking if she can take her for a night. And, you know, we kind of made eye contact to each other, and we're like, you know what, if this is what's going to help her, and this is what's going to help um You know, it's still her child at this point. And as difficult as that decision was, neither one of us slept all night, but as difficult as that decision was, we had to let her do that. And, you know, in June this year, she told us that had we not let her do that, she would have not gone through with it. So, I mean, it's just, you have to be flexible. You have to, sometimes that difficult stuff's going to happen, and you have to think of what's best for birth mom and she was you know it was kind of a test in her mind to say okay do you trust me and that's really what it was is do we trust her and we're thinking well she's you know we got all this crazy stuff going in our mind of what what's she trying to accomplish by this or what are we trying to do we're trying to overanalyze what's happening and why is it happening this way and blah 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 she just wanted to know that we trusted her and so i think You know, there's so much she wanted that one night with her, alone, out of the hospital to be able to, you know, hold her or whatever and and be there for her and know that she loved, you know, so the baby had that opportunity and know that she loved her and all that. And, you know, we were able to give that to her and we were willing to give that to her. And and because of that, we now have a great relationship with birth mom and her family. And it's like, you know, you just got to be real careful and toe that line be flexible to be able to change your plan and mold and think of others and, you know, be very caring and be very aware of the overall situation because something like that would have, you know, where we would have been in Ohio with a flipped birth mom.
0: Yep. With a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of emotions tied up into that. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Wow. That's just uh that's a lot so, to wrap your brain around right there because, uh, yeah, I could see, uh, any one of us uh, being in that position and what, what are you? What decision are you going to make in the in the split time? The, the two seconds you have to to answer
1: right. And my wife said, you know, when she asked, she, I was on the other side of the room, and my wife was talking to her, and you know, when she asked, my wife's response was, "Well, we're let us talk about it, and you know, we'll we'll talk about it." And and she was just like thrown off, like she was she kind of took that hard stance and backed off, and she was like, "What do you mean you're going to talk about it?" And we were and. I kind of overheard at that point what was going on and I was like trying to process it really quick of what, okay, we got to react right now. And so, you know, at that point I told my wife, I, you know, across the room, we just made eye contact and I was like, yeah, I mean, we, we have to do it. You know, it's what she wants. It's here's the situation and as difficult as it is, we've got to do what she wants. And, you know, ultimately that came back and we, thank goodness we made that decision.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had the right mentality of already going into that of thinking about like you said, thinking about the birth mother and thinking about the child and what's best for the whole situation, not just what's best for you, not just what bad thing could happen. But right. what's best for this whole situation and you made the right decision, so awesome.
1: Yep. So, I mean and that that I mean big picture is so critical as you're going through it. I mean, from my perspective, From my standpoint, big picture, because if you get wrapped up in the day to day, the little stuff, you know, make your overall plan to do your, and then take the baby steps to get there, but be able to change that, be able to go off course because it's going to happen. I don't care what situation it is, it's going to happen, and be able to shift on the fly. But when you make those shifts, look big picture. How is this going to affect the overall situation of getting to the end goal?
0: Great, great advice. Yes. Well, I, I, man, we could talk for probably another hour, I think, on this. But I want to make sure we cover a couple more uh, important parts. And one is money. And it always is an important part of adoption. A lot of people struggle with it because, obviously, when you're adopting in the U.S., mm-hmm. especially a baby, an infant, it's likely going to be costly. So did, did you guys, did you exceed your adoption budget? I mean, you're a planner and everything. I mean, did it cost more than you expected?
1: the our first one didn't like we were pretty prepared for him but it was in state so we kind of got lucky there and being in state we didn't we had the budget set up to be able to travel so you know that was pretty um we were pretty good with our son our daughter definitely exceeded it just because of the amount of time um every state's different with icpc as you know so um you know we didn't we didn't really weren't prepared for having to stay for two weeks um you know and the travel that that's a big part um so, I mean, that became, and then, you know, the flight home, I mean, we got really fortunate with Southwest, gave us a great deal to get us home, but, you know, the tickets would have been 850 bucks a piece from Cleveland to, to Washington, and it was, and they, you know, they felt sorry for the situation when we walked up to the counter to buy tickets, you know, that doesn't ever happen, so, with a brand new baby, so they felt, and they comped one of our tickets. Wow. Which was fantastic too. Who do you have to
0: talk to to get that done?
1: <laughs> the manager. The manager was standing there, and we walked up to the thing, and we're like, "We just we got to buy tickets to get home." Just in at Cleveland Airport, walked up to Southwest and just said, "We got to buy tickets to get home." And the lady's like, "Well, we can get you there, but it's going to be four flights." And I was like, "We're just exhausted at that point." You know, my wife's been on the road three and a half weeks, and I've been there two weeks with a brand new baby, and. You know the emotion of everything, and you're just totally exhausted. And you know, and we're standing there, and she, you know, can see the situation. And she, you know, my wife said something about, you know, that we're we finalized, and we're just able to leave. And and the lady's like, well, just hold on a second. And she walks back to the back, talks to the manager. A manager comes out, and she says. Well, it's going to be eight hundred and fifty bucks a ticket, but I'm going to take care of one of the tickets for you. Wow! And my wife just lost it. I mean, she just broke down and started crying. The manager comes around, sees tears, and gives her a big hug. And I mean, it's yeah. just a, 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 like the emotion that goes into it. You just can't until you go through it. You just can't understand.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, we we had a, a not. Uh, that kind of an experience but something similar with the hotel that we stayed at uh, because we also were in ohio and i called ahead because i knew we were going to be there and i said this is our situation we don't really have a choice we're going to be there anywhere from seven to ten days and this is why we got we're going to be there with a newborn baby we're adopting we we need to be there to take care of the paperwork what can you Mm -hmm. do for us and he was very sympathetic and just appreciated that i shared the story with him and he gave us a huge discount um and he didn't have to do that and just like the southwest guy didn't have to do that either i mean that's no that's that's cool that needs to be shared
1: it's just they're just feeling for you and they're feeling you know they're feeling for the situation and they're wanting to help because you're reaching out and you're putting yourself out there to help the child and you're wanting what's best for the child and your intention is good and everybody wants to help in a good with something that's a positive intention and so the more you can share the more you can share about open adoption the more you can share about positive results and positive impact it, it starts to change perception
0: Amen to that absolutely, I, I see that all the time, especially with this, this podcast and the infant adoption guide site it just, uh, it changes people uh, the more open you are to talk about things and especially the success stories not just the, the bad things that happen so your story is right. very inspiring and I know it's filled a lot of people with hope that they can get through their their journey and and build their family become parents that they want to be so I so much appreciate you coming on you know I'm gonna have to have you back on because I can I know there's a lot of tips and resources and other stuff that we can give folks, especially hopeful adoptive dads. So I want to have you back on. If you're okay with that, I'd love to to have you back on for another episode down the road. Yep. I'd love to do it. Awesome. Well, uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, Can you give us maybe one or two things you would have done differently on your journey?
1: I think the first one for me is from, would be from the beginning standpoint and that would be um, be more involved um, with the lifetime stuff. Um, my wife was very involved in listening to a lot of webinars and I was like still trying to deal with it myself and like wrap my mind around it. But I, there's a lot of resources there. And, you know, I was like in the mindset of most guys where I could take care of this myself. And, I think had I got in and just kind of listened to what's going on and not even, not even like been active on it, but just like speaker phoned it with my wife and just like listened while I'm cooking dinner or whatever, I think that that would have made a big difference and it would have helped me come to grasp with it a little bit earlier from the beginning. Um, second thing I would say, it's probably just, I, I think talking about it. And I think, you know, talking about the story, talking about the experience talking about it going through it from the beginning so when you're in the process you know from a guy standpoint you know telling people you're doing it um, it builds support and it builds a support network for you um, and people that know you're doing that it becomes a very positive thing that you're doing a positive thing and you're doing something in for the better and that becomes very uplifting and that can help carry you through it can help get that rally behind you rather than living in a tunnel. So if you start to get, you know, a fan base or a rally behind you of that you're doing this and and not just with, you know, family or not just with the select few that you talk to about it or whatever, but this whole, you know, your whole network of people that you come into contact with on a day-to-day, you know, it can be a really positive experience for a lot, a lot of people. You don't have any idea how many people you can touch.
0: Absolutely. Very wise words there. And I'll, I'll piggybacking on that, I want to make sure everybody knows about there is a special uh, Facebook page that we have just for adoptive dads and not just hopeful adoptive dads, but if you've if you've adopted already, if you've not adopted, if you're thinking about adoption, but it's just for the guys. And I'm going to share that that link here. It's it's infantadoptionguide.com forward slash dads. It'll forward you over to that Facebook page and you'll have to Ask to get in, but I'll let you in. And um, there's just a growing community of guys there that we're just—I mean, I know guys aren't talkative, so it's not a huge, hugely talkative group. But uh, we're still there to share with each other about what's going on, and I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's a growing group and it's a great group. So if women, if any women out there that—if uh, your guys are interested at all, have them go to that link and uh, get on that Facebook group, and we'll—we'll we'll talk. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jake, so much for coming on, sharing your you story. You have such a great story. Congratulations on your family, your two wonderful kids. Um, and I know your wife's a, a saint for uh <laughs> for getting you get you through the journey and getting to where you are. Oh
1: yeah. So, oh yeah, without a doubt. So uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Take care. All right. Awesome interview with Jake Stewart. Thank you, Jake, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your your story. The tips that you went through too are really interesting. We got to have him back on because I know he's got a lot more tips to share with you guys and uh, having a, a, another guy tell his story and want to share uh, his insights to help other guys that maybe uh, where he was is, which is a little hesitant in starting the adoption process. So if you have, uh, if you're listening to this and you, you're you hesitant about starting the adoption process, I hope this gives you some inspiration and hope to get started and Know that it's going to be okay, that you can make it through it. Guys like us have done it before. And if you're not a guy, if you're maybe you're a woman listening to this and your husband has been dragging his feet or he's not too sure about the adoption process, have him listen to this episode. Go over to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 23. You can get this episode and listen to it. Have him listen to it. And I guarantee it would at least help him a little bit, if not a lot on your adoption journey. So thank you. So much for listening. And, uh, you know, my goals for this podcast is to help uh, and inspire, especially with success stories like this. I think it really helps um, being open and real and sharing um, not only the good times, but some of the struggles and problems that you've had too in the adoption world. So I want to invite um, anybody that's listening, especially the dads, to go join our Adoptive Dads Facebook page. It's not just for adoptive dads, but also the guys that are hoping to adopt. Go over to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash dads, D-A-D-S, and that'll give you the link, and all you have to do is ask to um, get into this Facebook group, and I'll let you in, but it's a closed group, so not anybody and everybody can get in, and you have to go and uh, know what it is and get through it to uh, get approved, so we don't just have anybody coming in to the group, but we have a good group of guys in there right now, and uh, we hope to continue to grow and uh, have a place for the guys to have their voice. So thank you, Jake, for sharing your story and congratulations on your family, Jake. And uh, one more thing I want to share with you guys. If you are struggling with your adoption, I got four free resources for you. These will help you save time and money and stress on your infant adoption journey. Just go over to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash welcome. There's four free resources for you. All you have to do is enter your email address and I'll send you the link and you'll get them for free. So I hope you enjoy that. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I really have fun putting it together for you every week. And if you would go over to iTunes, uh, if you haven't subscribed there already, you can go there and leave uh, an honest review. It really helps in there in iTunes, be able to have more people find the podcast. So I would greatly appreciate it if you did that for me. And until next time, I hope you keep on your journey and have, have find the hope and inspiration to realize your dream of becoming parents and I know it'll happen soon for you. Thanks and God bless.